Welcome to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris DeRoe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives and works in Burlington, Ontario, and runs an advisory practice named Three Hats Financial. Let's get to it. Planning ahead is taking on new importance as we face multiple uncertainties in this brave new world. I'm Patrice Sakora, and in this episode of The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, Chris Duro of Three Hats Financial talks about that document, that document that can make all the difference for your family, but that many people put off doing, a will. All right, Chris, tell me, why is a will so necessary? I mean, won't my estate just go to my heirs? Yeah, Patrice, very good question, and we'll get into that. Um, first, I have to do the regular type disclaimer. So first of all, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving any legal advice here. For any legal advice, you need to speak to a lawyer. I just have to obviously mention that. What I'm going to be going through today is just the examples and stories and questions and statements I've heard as being a planner over the years. First off, I've come across people in their late 80s and people with high-risk jobs like police and firefighters that have no will. It's just really quite common for people to procrastinate on it. It is extremely important, as you mentioned, Patrice. It's the main reason is, or two main reasons, is your estate's not going to necessarily go where you want to go if there's no will. And if you have children, you're leaving them up. It's leaving you're leaving up to the courts to pick the guardians, which is obviously a pretty important thing, especially on certain family dynamics. So everyone should have a will and power of attorney, not just the rich. For our clients, this is a huge thing that we want to have addressed. And I nag them literally almost every meeting until it's done. We have an Excel a, a spreadsheet that has everything on it that they have with us and that. And there's a big bold place where it says will and power of attorney. And they see it every meeting if it's blank. And I just keep nagging them. Um, it's on every agenda until it's done because it's just so important. Also, keep in mind my background. A lot of listeners know that I used to be a firefighter and paramedic. So you saw people that woke up, thought they had the rest of their life to do things, plan for things, all of this, and then never came home. And that's just another personal experience I've had with this where it's just really important for people to get these done. So these are not just for people who have great amounts of wealth? No, not at all. And I'll go through some examples and stories here on, on why. First thing is, some of the statements I've heard over the years and examples is, okay, everything goes to my spouse. Why do I need one? And as you mentioned, Patrice, like, doesn't it just all go to the estate? And that's the problem, is it? Yes, it can. And we'll discuss why that can be a problem. So everything goes to my spouse. Why do I need a will? So you have a scenario, husband, wife with kids, no will. Well, if they both passed away, now the kids get everything, all the money at 18 years of age. Why that is a problem is ask yourself, um, if you're over 18, <laughs> your money mindset at 18, at 25, and if you're over 35, at the age of 35, think of how you spent money then, your money mindset compared to now if you're over the age 18. It's quite a significant difference, or at least I know it was for me. Mm -hmm. So a personal example I have of that um, is a family I had known well. This is 20 years ago. Uh, parents had passed away. The mother 
when they were really young and then the father later on. And the kids at that time were 18 and 21. And that's exactly what happened. They literally got all the money. There was no will put in place. And I witnessed over the 20 years watching how they changed in the sense of it was a lot of money at that time for an 18 and 21 year old to have. It was in their hands, even though they had family trying to give them advice on it, which didn't go well. And they lost motivation for school, work, taking the fancy trips all the time, partying, nice cars. And then you see them now close to their 40s. You can see how it somewhat even still impacts them today because of the decisions and the, and the things that they gave up so early on because they thought they had so much money and knew how to be able to handle it. So that's just a personal example. So in other words, they just squandered what they had. Yeah, just really, really quick. And I was obviously 20 years younger at the time too watching this. And even then I was, you got a bad sense of this isn't looking, isn't going well. But at the time you couldn't explain that to them. They, the money was all theirs. Another example is, which is a big, I have three kids, so I can relate to this is if you don't have a will and you have kids and they're under the age of 18 and younger, the will allows you to name who the guardians can be but also really important. You can also put on that who you don't want the guardian to be, depending on the family dynamics. That also can alleviate a lot of stress if that horrible incident never happened and both passed away, the husband and wife. You're not having a family debut on how who's taking the children and all of that. You're alleviating that stress because it's clearly outlined there. So right. that's another big one. Next question is, well, we don't have any kids, so why do I need a will? So let's say you have a couple, no kids. This is a bit of an interesting one. Once again, say there's a car accident and the husband dies and then a, an hour, day, doesn't matter, just later, the wife dies. Well, in that interim, the husband's estate is now passed to the wife, even if it's a couple hours later that she passes. I always remember this, and this is, I'll get an example from a lawyer that gave me this example that we work with. He always says, this question goes back to how much do you like your mother-in-law? And I remember when he first <laughs> said that, I was like, okay, you've got my attention. <laughs> yes. And he goes, so I gave this, the lawyer tells me, I gave this, this speech to a bunch of entrepreneurs years ago. It was a Thursday afternoon. Give this spiel. By the end of it, I had some business owner come up and he's like, oh, I don't really need that. Everything goes to my spouse and we have things somewhat arranged. Like, I don't really understand why I need to go pay a lawyer to do a will. And he goes, well, how much do you like your mother-in-law? And he goes, well, that's kind of a weird question. I don't really want to get into that, but obviously you can sense from my tone, <laughs> she's not my most favorite person in the world. He goes, okay, so you and your wife go away on holidays. You pass away, car accident. Now your estate transfers to your wife. She passes away later than you. Now your entire estate goes to your wife. And then because there's no will, it would go then to her parents, if either of her parents are alive or her, or either of her parents are alive. And he's like, well, yeah, my mother-in-law goes exactly. He said, Monday morning, the guy shows up in his office, oh. no appointment saying, okay, we're getting this will done. Whoa. And what he, I laughed when he told me this part that he goes, the wife spoke to him after uh, and goes, yeah, like that example you gave, just so you know, my husband is a really reckless driver and I've never seen him drive so safely from the whole weekend till now, even driving here. So you really scared him with the mother-in-law thing. Wow. Wow. Well, that one, that one touched home. Yes. You mentioned a second marriage in your notes here. Tell me how that can really be a, 
a difficult situation if there is no will. I have a, cl a client that's a lawyer and he always says, yeah, whenever I go to second marriages, he goes, obviously I give them the wedding card and I give them the gift. And in the card, it always says, see you Monday morning. Cause obviously most weddings are on Saturdays and most of his friends know, but then the whole point of that is once you have a second marriage, it voids the initial will. Second marriages can be really complex when there's kids from previous relationships and everything else. It is absolutely a no-brainer with second marriages that you you both need to have a will done. You would have to, of course, look at each individual estate and then bring them all together. Is that how they have to meld them? I won't get too deep into that because that's more questions for the lawyer. It's just true. Okay. I just want to touch on how important it is that if you have a second marriage, absolute no-brainer, you have to get that will done. Okay, great, great. All right, so we've talked marriage. What if it's a common law? What if the couple is not married? Yeah. So the common law is another concern. Of course, that's exactly the, some of the questions here. Well, we're not even married. There's no kids. Well, if the house is in the name of the husband and you're or the, the male and your common law and the partner is living there and then the, say the male passes away and the house is solely in his name, the house can go to the estate. So it doesn't necessarily go to her which now can cause a whole bunch of different issues. So now so that's what, to make this clear, so the house goes to his estate. His estate, okay. yes. And she has no claim there? Once again, these guests are getting into more terms a lawyer would be better with. It's just that you would want that will because it would cause a, a lot of relief on if we use mm -hmm. um, her, her situation and having a home to still live in in that. So in fact, no matter what your situation is, having that will looks like it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. And these are just why there's some of the examples and the three questions I've heard over the years on people, why they're kind of justifying not to get one. And how long does it take to, to put a will together? Oh, you can get them done pretty quick because sometimes I've had clients where like, we're leaving in 48 hours for a trip. We need to get this done. We have resources that we've been able to guide them to to help them get that done quickly. Got it. All right. Now, there's something else you had mentioned earlier, a power of attorney. Tell me about that, how it differs from a will. Yeah. So a power of attorney, there's there's two of them. Like one's for property and power attorneys are for obviously for someone that's still living. So you have a power attorney for property, which is basically the legal authority to have access to someone's bank accounts and finances. An example of that is your mother is still alive and she is now incapacitated or early stage of dementia and needs to go to a home. And now you have to help pay her bills, sell her house, things like that. Well, if there's a power of attorney and property for place, it would assist with that significantly. So it's a really important document for to have in regards to that. The power of attorney for personal is different. So that is for a person, once again, who is incapacitated, where it would come in effect and it allow you to be involved in things like monitoring their medical conditions or speaking to doctors about their situation or even potentially allowing you to change the doctors if you felt that it wasn't necessarily the best source at that time. It's just, once again, it's really important to have those in place for those situations and on top of that, it's also important to make sure that you're having discussions with loved ones around what their wishes are if they are incapacitate, incapacitated 
and the level of care they would want. Like an example would be major dementia and being and you're being spoon fed. And of course, not nice to talk about, but it's something that has to be addressed if it ever happened. Like if you were to go vital signs absent at that stage, would you want to be resuscitated? Like these are some of the questions that will come up that when you're sitting down with a lawyer and going through, it's just good to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Like an example I would have from my old days of being a firefighter paramedic with this was it's different. There was things called do not resuscitate orders and the, the rules would have changed by now. Um, but I'm sure the headaches haven't changed much. But there was examples where you'd be in a, a living room and a, a, a person has gone vital signs absent. They're dead. They've had a heart attack. Their heart has stopped. And you can tell obviously that there's health conditions. They, they don't look healthy to begin with. And they have a good idea that there may be some long-term health issues here. And of course, you have no option but to start working on them because that's what you're going to do. You're going to save this person. And there would be arguments of family members in the room, in the living room. I remember one specific, like literally arguing to, no, that's not what they would have wanted. And then, then the other um, kid is saying, no, that's what they would have wanted. doesn't matter. Like a firefighter and paramedic, oh, they're wow. going to carry it out because you, you can't, there's not time to sit there and sit down at the kitchen table and debate what to do. Yeah. Like they're they're helping them. It's just if there was more clarity in that, those situations, it would help a lot. And that's why it's just important for loved ones to have those conversations. And these are also, the power of attorneys are also put together by an attorney? Yes, all, okay. all done by a lawyer. They'll, they'll do everything at once. Okay, all right. All right, so you've got all these documents made, uh, written up, uh, witnessed, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. But what do you do then? I mean, where do you put them? Who do you tell? Yeah. So it's, first of all, it's really important that once this is done, big congrats, you got it done. But once it's done, make sure the family members or the executor or the people involved know where the copy of it is or the lawyer, some lawyers will keep them in fire safes for them. Just make sure that people know where that is. I, years ago, I had a family member, I, we were going through these conversations. She was all happy. Like, nope, I got it done. Big smile on her face. I'm like, great. Where is it? Well, it's in a shoebox in my spare bedroom closet <laughs> underneath my wedding dress. And just, I'm like, okay, so who knows it's there? And you can see just the smile start to start to, to go away. And she's like, hmm, okay, that's a little bit embarrassing. I never thought of that. I was so happy it was done. But yeah, I don't think anyone knows where that is. That's a and, little difficult, little difficult yeah. situation. Yes. And she goes, actually, the lawyer that's done it, he's now deceased. So yeah, no, there's no cover copy of it. So that's obviously a pretty important thing yes. to make sure that someone knows where that is. Wow. Um, and maybe more than one person, I would think. Yeah, of course. The more, the better. Yeah. I have to admit, my husband and I, we didn't drop a will until the kids were born. Okay. We have it now. Very in full, full disclosure there. What is it though that <laughs> makes people avoid doing this? A lot of people... I mean, a lot of people procrastinate on this. I've just seen over the years, it's almost like a mental block for a lot of people where they're like, well, I've had some actually fully admit this. They're like, I feel like if I fill this out, something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I might die. And others, they just want to avoid the uncomfortable conversations. And I just, I'll say, if you have, you're having uncomfortable conversations now, can you imagine your family when you're not here to help with this? And also what I've noticed over the years is 
a lot of people won't get this done until something bad has happened in their life. They've mm-hmm. dealt with their father passing away and it was a nightmare going through the estate or the arguments and and there's examples or friends they've seen and then they come in and they're like, okay, we got to get this done. So what I tell people is like a lot of people wait for bad things to happen to get it done. Well, hopefully you're not lucky enough that if something bad happens, you're able to come in and still get that done. So why would you chance it? You mentioned something earlier too, that there are wills, there are POAs, there are other documents though that people should have. And you have a recommendation that you often give your clients to put everything together. Tell me about that. We call it a will companion kit. So it's a little booklet that, well, it's not a little booklet, but it's a booklet that summarizes things because your will will go through who, like the estate, who it goes to and all of that, but it doesn't get into very detailed specifics. So this will companion kit is basically a one-stop place where we help clients keep their essential info and documents for ongoing reference and emergencies, not just death. And we have clients complete this after it's completed. We review it every two years just to be making sure that it's updated. Now, we don't let them do this. We show it to them, but we don't let them do this until the will is done because it's kind of a kick <laughs> in the butt to get them to get the will done. Because when a lot of people see the book, they're like, yeah, that's probably a really good idea. What's in it is it's just a list of important documents, things like your marriage license, deeds to the house, medical contacts, all your advisor's information, such as financial, lawyer, accountant, bank account numbers, which can be a big one, especially if you get bank accounts in other countries, your investments. I always remember the commercial, uh, was it Scotiabank or something like that? Like, what's in your wallet or is it Visa? Right, right. I don't it's, remember. It's one of the cards, yeah. That's exactly what we do is we always tell clients a good idea is you take everything out of your wallet, you photocopy it, and now you put it in that in that uh, will companion kit. So now if you ever lose your wallet, there's a copy of everything. But also if you are incapacitated or anything else like that, your family or executor, whoever has everything that's in your wallet. So it's a good idea. Now, of course, I say, don't just leave this document sitting on the kitchen table. Like it has to go somewhere important like your your will. But it's an extremely important little booklet that we do for clients. And I did this for an individual and he passed away not even a year after we did it. And I remember being at the celebration of life and the son was in a group of all of his friends talking. And we had met a couple times. I remember him walking through, breaking the circle of his friends and came up and hugged me because of that Will Companion kit. Because he was like, thank you so much for helping my stubborn, stubborn father do this. Because he goes, we had no idea we would have been so screwed because we didn't know. Dad just never talked about this stuff. It was a really great thing to have. And I also remember years ago being called once and a client had passed away and the daughter was at the house and obviously stressed trying to find things. And I I had known because I had been there quite a few times and I go, go into the dining room in her cabinet, middle drawer, you're going to find this booklet that we completed and pulled it out and there it was. Wow. And the how much easier that made everything was significant. So those are just some real personal examples I hold close to me because it was yeah. pretty, pretty nice to see the relief on the family's face. So too, you're helping these people put all these documents together. It's for their peace of mind, but also for their, their heirs' peace of mind. Yeah. And it just, it just starts other conversations with them. They have conversations with us. It just, it's just 
good to have these conversations. And by filling that out, it'll lead to things that I never even would have thought to ask because who are they sitting down with and asking these things like on at that level? Like I even have clients put like Facebook passwords and things like that in. You can put anything in it. It's just good to have those conversations. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, I just, Patrice would like to add one, one last thing is a lot of people, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, procrastinate on this. It's not like the old days where you have to go drive to a lawyer's office, go multiple times, sit there and have these conversations. You absolutely can still do that. But now with technology, a very popular option is doing it all virtual, meaning you're having the conversation on the phone with the lawyer through email, courier, and Zoom. You can get a legal will by those means. The excuse of not having time to do it and having to go to, if that's the excuse, then there are those options. And I, I mention those to clients all the time because we have those resources. I said, do you want to sit down in an office and meet them face to face? Or would you rather just do this from your home? Because let's get rid of the excuse that you don't have the time to do it because a lot of lawyers have made this much easier by doing them in a virtual way. A retired lawyer told me this, want this story once before, for example. He said in his previous career as a lawyer, which he was for a very long time, he had practiced different areas like personal injury and things like that, a little bit of real estate. And I remember him just saying that the, one of the most enjoyable parts of his job was seeing the relief on a couple's face once they had finally signed and done everything with the will and power attorney. And I just found that interesting that he mentioned that because when we have these conversations with our clients, I see the same things. I bug them. My, my job's to pester them to success. So I keep bugging them. And eventually when it's done, I sit down in the meeting and ask, and we get to that point in the agenda. And it's like a big smile for a lot of people like, yes, Chris, we finally got it done. <laughs> and some of these couples I've reached over the table and high five them. Cause I'm like, perfect. I just love to hear that. But you just see the relief and the smile that they finally got it done. So people please just get it done. No excuses. You heard that. Thanks, Chris. Chris Giroux of Three Hats Financial. To subscribe to this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, tap the subscribe button on this page. And you can also share with friends and colleagues by using the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Investment Corporation. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.